Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. At the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printed needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing professionals at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Hello, young business leaders. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm excited to share this week's episode with you. Today, you get to tune into a bonus podcast from our monthly luncheon featuring Ryan Lelf. Ryan is an entrepreneur and stage four cancer survivor. At age 35, with zero prior medical history, he was diagnosed with stage four advanced lymphoma cancer. The medical community said there was no cure. They told him he had a better chance of dying from the chemo in the first six months than he did from the cancer. The outlook was grim, but Ryan chose to believe otherwise. He chose an alternative path to healing. Today, over a year and a half later, after his diagnosis, he is cancer free. Let's hear from Ryan and listen to his message to young businessmen. How's everybody doing? Great. Um, I always, you know, feel so thankful to be here. And I usually add, and for me, it's, it's I'm literally thankful <laughs> to be here, right? Um, yeah, just, I want to say thanks to YBT and uh, anyone and everyone that contributed, um, you know, nine, ten months ago along my journey. You know, one of the most incredible things that happened for me in my adventure with cancer is over 800 different human beings um, donated money along the way and probably 80 to 90 percent of them I've never met in my life and I think sometimes with the news and the media and social media and the internet and the world that we live in we get jaded a bit and we think somehow it's us versus them and we think there's so many people out there that aren't really good at the core and aren't generous and aren't kind and don't have um, love in their heart. And what I found is, is that I believe we all have that. It's who we were made to be, right? And we've got to get back to the foundation first and foremost is I'm a human being and you're a human being and God created both of us. Why don't we start there? There's so much division in the world. There's so much unnecessary and needless arguing over about who's right and who's got it figured out and which interpretation's correct. And all along, 8 million people a year are dying from cancer. Amongst many other tragic things out there, so if I, if I do anything today, I hope that I might inspire all of us to get a little bit more busy living and get a little bit less interested in arguing. See, arguing and trying to be right just isn't that interesting to me anymore. What is interesting is being love and light and God and His hands and feet to the world in any way possible. Because when you face death, when you look it straight in the eye and you realize that any given day, which is exactly where I was at in January 2016, the lights could go out. It could be over. 
a whole new perspective is awakened. So, um, for those of you that may not be familiar with my story, um, actually I just turned 37, I had a birthday a few weeks ago. Uh, I guess I need to update my bio. But, um, so at 35, October 2015, zero medical history, uh, never had any health issues at all. I was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had a tumor load from my groin to my neck, a basketball-sized cluster in my stomach. It had metastasized into my bone marrow and it was in my spleen. When we met with the first oncologist, the best outlook they gave me was there is no cure. If you respond well to chemotherapy over the first six months, we can probably slow it down or put it in what they call remission and it'll come back and you'll probably have to repeat six months of chemo every two years and if we can extend your life a decade we would absolutely be thrilled to which i said what else do you got <laughs> and he said well we're pretty concerned that actually the chemotherapy could actually kill you in the first six months before the cancer ever does and i'm like all right not liking that option either what else <laughs> Uh, they didn't have anything else. So I decided that I wasn't going to do chemotherapy, and that's when I was then told I would be dead within two to three months. Thank God humans are wrong. Right? Now, that's no disrespect. That was just their opinion, and that's what they thought, and I'm not angry about that. But at the time, my oldest son was nine, my daughter was five, and my youngest boy was three. And this is exactly how I looked at it. None of those options walks my daughter down the aisle. So they're unacceptable. I'm sorry. I'm not interested in any of that. And some people like me who I believe in God, I'm a believer. Obviously, I believe he is my source. But I don't spend any time arguing with other people who look on at my story and don't see that. It's pointless. Some people think it's the universe. Some people think it's something from within. Some people don't believe there's a God at all. Here's what cancer taught me. I interact with Buddhists and Muslims and atheists and all kinds of beliefs, all kinds of race and people all over the world because we have one thing in common. We're facing a life-threatening disease. And I realized that I had been trained and taught so much of my life to create division instead of figure out what we had in common and go from there. So I want to tell you guys something. Cancer was the gateway to a greater life. Cancer was the opportunity for me to step into a more significant existence on the planet. It was a divine tap on the shoulder, not from God. He did not give me cancer. Planet Earth is why I have cancer. God is not planet Earth. We need to make sure we're very clear on that. Otherwise, we get confused, we get angry, and we're paralyzed and can do nothing. I knew I was loved. I knew I was valuable. I knew I was significant. I knew I was magnificent. I'm the greatest human thing that has ever existed on the planet. 
And by the way, so are you. And because I was able to believe that, I was not afraid to die. As soon as you're not afraid to die, you can get busy living. As soon as you're willing to let go of the outcome, you can start taking action. So there were four questions that um, have really resonated with me recently as I've been listening to some podcasts. And so I started thinking about my adventure with cancer because um, from October 2015, on an incredible journey, ups, downs, uh, all kinds of things. I went to two different countries. I tried all kinds of alternative therapies. I've radically changed my lifestyle. I dove into everything I could think of spiritually. I tried to make sure God helped me heal in everything emotionally. I wanted to step into something new. See, folks, rebirth and new life and something fresh is always found in the darkness. In fact, I just recently heard someone talk about the reason why Jesus was born at night is because new life and new birth is always born in the darkness. If you're looking for something new and fresh and exciting and you want to know what God is trying to get your attention about or what you're up to, what he's up to in your life, look in your darkness. Look in your difficulty. Look in the areas that you're afraid of. Because that's where it's at. That's where new things are birthed. That's where new greatness is awakened. Instead, what do most of us do? We tuck our tail and run from the darkness. Right? Just pull out your light. He lives in you. And navigate your way through the gateway because there's something better on the other side. So, the first question is, how do we face change and navigate through it in a healthy way? I was presented with change. I had a physical illness that had taken over my body, and I needed to understand where it came from, why it had happened, and how I had contributed to it. Because if I was willing to own all of the parts that I had played a role in me having cancer, then that would empower me to play a role to get rid of it. But if I had chosen to see change as, oh, I'm just a victim, oh, I'm just unlucky, Oh, maybe somehow God needs to teach me something. Oh, I must have not gotten over my sinning or my addiction. Then I'm now disempowered to step into a new and greater life with a better understanding of how to live well. That's... What fascinates me about the teachings of Jesus is he is always trying to lead us into wholeness. He's always trying to lead us into something better. I believe that the way we face change is we have got to let go of the results. 
People say, you know, how did you have so much courage to say no to chemo and radiation and surgery and go on this, you know, wild adventure with these alternative quacks? And I'm like, because nobody knew exactly what I needed to do or what was going to help my body reverse the disease. Nobody knew exactly which path was going to lead me to extending my life so I could be here with my wife and kids. Nobody knows. A lot of people think they have some answers and think they have some ideas both on the conventional side and the alternative side. I simply led, lived a philosophy that I was led, that he was alive in me, and that wisdom resides 24-7. And I started realizing that it's this simple. I really believe it's this simple. How many of you would say that as you've gotten a greater understanding of who you are, like who God made you to be, that you're really an incredible human being, you don't have to be defined by anything you've ever done, your mistakes, that that has actually led you to, for an example, treat your spouse or family members better, right? Like, you, you realize it's better to walk in love than to not. It's better to forgive than to not. It's better to treat people with kindness and respect. Folks, I look at food and taking care of my body today the way I look at treating my wife. That's the truth. It's no different. We need to rip up the certificate that some of us got at Denial University. And we need to stop taking classes and unenroll and start being honest that taking care of our body is from God just like being in a loving relationship with our spouse is from God. If we think it matters how we treat our spouse, then why does it matter how we treat our bodies? I'm not saying be legalistic about it. I'm not saying perfection is required. It's not. I'm saying the way we face change is let go of the results. If I'm kind and loving and I do everything I know to be a great husband and my wife decides to walk out on me, if I know in my heart I've done everything I can, there's nothing I can do about that. But I can then choose to let her go and I can choose to not have bitterness and I can choose to find healing in that. And it's the same way that I looked at my adventure with cancer. I may have done all these wonderful alternative things, radically changed my diet, and done all this stuff, and I still could have died. But this is what I always reminded myself of. Even if I die, what is true will always be true. I'm loved, I'm valuable, I'm significant, and I'm magnificent. And whether I overcome cancer and stay on this earth for any length of time, you can't take that away from me. Nobody can. And I would miss my wife desperately, and it would stink, and it would have been so hard if I wouldn't have been here for my kids. But I had this assurance that they were going to be okay. And so I went for it. I was all in. And no, I didn't get some spontaneous lightning bolt miracle that just happened one night. It was 14 months of choosing to be led, to walk in wisdom, to suffer, to go through it, and to keep 
on the path that I knew was true in my heart in the face of lots and lots of criticism. Question number two. How do we move through suffering with grace and wisdom? Stop needing your suffering to be over in order to believe that you're okay. Pain and suffering are a gift. They are a blessing. They are uh, obviously a part of the human experience. You can go ahead and stand up if you've experienced no pain and no suffering at any point in your entire existence on the planet. It usually goes hand in hand with breathing. So wouldn't it make sense then that if pain and suffering are a part of the human experience, what is it that we are to learn from it? What is it that we are to glean from it? What perspective would pain and suffering like for us to gain so that when we're done with that pain and suffering, we can be greater, we can live more whole. When we finally decide that we're just okay because he says we're okay, we won't be in such a rush. Anybody ever felt like you just keep going through similar cycles of the same pain and suffering in one area of your life over and over and over and over again? Well, maybe if we would be a little more patient and stop trying to have it end in order for us to feel okay, maybe we would actually finally figure out what it is that we need to learn and maybe we could stop contributing to our own pain and suffering and get out of our own way. Question number three, how do we receive joy in the midst of difficulty? I shared my whole entire journey uh, publicly online. Many of you may have followed uh, my adventure with cancer. I posted pictures, I made videos, and one of the things people tell me that I recognized was a theme is people said, dude, you were always smiling. There was always some, like, I would, I would jump on my Facebook and I would see you, and I mean, I showed it all. I mean, I had this huge old extended belly for like eight months. I had this massive fluid problem. I lost 50 pounds. I had tumors sticking out on both areas of the groin, around the neck. I mean, I was suffering physically, and many of you may have seen that. How do we have midst in, how do we have joy in the midst of something like that? Thankfully, in the last six years, I began to go on a journey where I realized that my joy is always going to be discovered when I detach myself from anything I'm experiencing, anything I'm doing, and anything that's trying to define who I am. See, I don't want to be defined by cancer. I don't even really want to be defined by overcoming it. Because at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned, other than the fact that my physical body is obviously in a lot better place today, I was the same Ryan a year ago that I am today. I was loved, I was valuable, I was significant, I was magnificent, I was a great husband, I was an engaged father. I was all those things. I was a good entrepreneur. I knew how to you know, play tennis, handle money. Like all of the, None of those things changed. See, we've got to start understanding that our identity and who we are cannot be attached to anything we're going through. 
If you've been through a divorce, I'm really sorry, but that doesn't define you. If you lost uh, a business and you had to file bankruptcy, I'm sorry, but that doesn't define you, right? If you did something phenomenal and you made $10 million, congratulations, but that doesn't define you. Who we are was defined by who created us in the first place. And if we want to get off this up and down roller coaster that seems to frustrate so many of us in life, we've got to understand that we receive joy internally. We receive it by believing the truth about who we are and detaching ourselves from anything else that's trying to define us. You know, in the beginning, I wanted to fight the cancer. And then I realized, you know, everything I've attacked has always attacked me back. And usually tenfold. So I actually made peace with my cancer. And I actually started with a place of gratitude. And I would literally talk to myself at home. And I would say, you know what? Thank you, cancer, for awakening to the fool I've been about neglecting my health and what food I eat. Thank you, cancer, for awakening me to sleeping more and taking care of my body and not feeling scared and thinking that somehow I couldn't be successful in business if I only slept three hours a night. Thank you, cancer, for teaching me how to be more engaged and put my smartphone down and actually not miss the moments with my kids. I was trying to think of something funny to say and nothing was coming up. <laughs> Question number four, how do we use our circumstances to be of service to others? Sometimes I feel like this is a real obvious question with a real obvious answer. Um, I think it's in Mandarin they actually divide the word selfish up into two things. One definition of selfish is to like greed and hoard and withhold from another. And another definition is to do something for oneself so that you're in like a better place and you can have an overflow for the rest of the world. In the English language though, we just lump it all into one word. The way I believe we become of greater service uh, to the world is we need to be more selfish. We need to take care of us. You know, the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself. I want to challenge all of us today. If we really loved other people the way we actually love and treat ourselves, That'd be pretty pathetic, wouldn't it? If we talked to other people the way we talked to us, if we fed the food to other people that we feed to us, if we treated other people the way we treat ourselves, nobody would want to be around us on some level. And the number one way I have found to learn how to love myself 
is to believe that God loves me. I know, Ryan, but I'm still struggling with my addiction. Yes, I understand. And I'm sure that it would be nice for you and all of us if you found a way to overcome that. But loving and accepting yourself where you're at on the journey seems like a far better solution than beating the crap out of yourself and condemning your heart because you can't seem to get over it. The way we're greater service to the world is when we first take care of this person. If I take care of me and I value me and I love me, then now I have actually something to give, something to offer. How many of you are fans of like an artist or a celebrity or uh, a sporting person and you've like bought jerseys or their CD or a shirt or been to a concert or whatever? Come on. Everybody a fan of Lisa, whatever? Okay. If you were, if they were, to, if that person that you're a fan of, right, was to walk in through that door and come up here and you got a chance to meet them, do you know what's the first thing we would all say to our, the person we're a fan of? What would we say? Thank you so much. What? I'm the one that bought so much merchandise the guy put in an in-ground pool in his backyard thanks to me. What am I thanking him for? Because there is something transformative when someone falls in love with taking care of themselves and then because they're their true self, they go out and do amazing work in the world. And it's undeniable. I mean, shouldn't he be thanking me for purchasing his t-shirts and coming to his concert or showing up at the ball game? But no, instead it's the other way around. Yet when it comes to us, we seem to have a challenge with putting ourselves first. And we've been programmed and trained on many levels that somehow it was the wrong kind of selfish. And I want to leave you with a different perspective on that. Cancer's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, folks. Like, hands down. Like, not even close. Like, I, I can't even hardly remember what it was like to be a human being on the planet prior to cancer. That's how transformative it's been for me and my family. My marriage is greater. My relationships with my family, my kids, you know, my food intake, my lifestyle, my perspective, my worldview, the way I interact with people, my attitude, um, I mean, everything about it. It's literally like my old self died. Like everything that wasn't serving me well died with the cancer. And I went through this gateway and I stepped into new life and new birth and new greatness. And I will forever be grateful and I know that not everybody is going to have that perspective. I'm surely in tune with the fact that people lose their life to cancer all the time. That is my life work. I talk to people who are dealing with cancer every single day of my life, on the phone, on Skype, through Facebook, um, at a clinic in Mexico, and we go over there and work. Trust me, I am very clear that a lot of people end up losing their life. 
But the last time I checked, we're all going to lose our life as far as life in this form on this planet. So that's nothing new. The greater and larger question is, how am I facing change? How am I navigating through pain and suffering? How do I receive joy? And how do I be of greater service to the world? I love you all. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a great day. I hope you've enjoyed this month's message. If you live in the Tulsa area, be sure to join us next month for a free lunch and another great speaker. We meet on the second Monday of every month at Tiamos at 61st and Sheridan at 11.40 a.m. For more information about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, visit www.ybtok.com. At the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, we are building leaders for a lifetime.